Oh, thanks. That was really nice. All right, you guys can all take a seat. How is everybody doing tonight? Are you excited to be back at youth? Yes, I'm very excited. How good is the first night back when you've been on holidays? And I know that you all will always say that you like don't like school, but how good is it to get back to youth? And the start of school, start of school's a little bit sad. Oh, but the start of youth, now that's something to be excited about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, and you know what one of the other really cool things about the start of the term with youth is, is that we get an all new topic, like we get all new sets, we get like all new activities and heaps of stuff that we work on, but one of the things that we're really excited we get to do is we get to talk about some new stuff. And hey, we have like a really, really cool and different series of messages that we are doing this term. That, I know that was that's not quite as excited as everyone was for youth, but messages are good. I like I like I like messages. But so look, well, this is what we normally do, and we're planning out our messages for youth. We sort of sit around and we talk to God and we try and work out what he wants us to talk to you guys about. Like, what are you going through at the moment? Like, what are the issues? And so we sort of, we pick the topic, we, what we think we need to talk to you about, what we think God wants us to talk to you about. And then we go back to the Bible and we find stuff to, uh, to talk to you about from that, see what God says about that topic and then tell you what he says. So really, we don't really do much work. We just tell you what God says. We don't have to come up with anything. It's actually really good. But what we thought we'd do, you see, the thing is that doesn't really reflect what our Bible reading is like when we get home, does it? Because when we read our Bibles at home, well, I don't, I don't know what you guys do, but I know for me, like I pick a book that I'm going to read and I make my way through the book. And now one of the skills that comes with reading your Bible that way is being able to read through your Bible and get something out of it no matter what you're reading. So this term, we have challenged ourselves and instead of picking all the topics first we just decided that we were going to make our way through the book of mark this term and what we're going to do is we're just going to you know talk to you about whatever the book of mark is talking about so i think that's cool i'm pretty excited about that i was look at that i bought the bottle of water with me as well i thought i was going to lose that for sure that was great sorry okay I'm not normally coordinator, so that's a bit of a bit of a, an achievement. All right, so I figured since I'm starting in Mark, it would make sense if I told you something out of Mark 1. So this is from Mark 1. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, now the synagogue, let's just, we'll just call that church. Basically, long story short, Jesus has been at church all day, preaching all day, the whole day. Who here has ever had to do like a five-minute talk in class at school or something, yeah? We all have. How much does it suck? How tired are you after that? How stressful is it getting up and talking to a group of people? Jesus has been at it all day. And they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. All right, again, let's just pause there. Ancient world, okay? So high fever isn't, I'm sick in bed and mum's bringing me toast, High fever in the ancient world is life-threatening, possibly going to die, okay? Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. What do you think Jesus is thinking at this point? You can just think, I've been in the temple all day preaching, and now you've just got one more thing you want me to do. So they tell Jesus about Simon's mother-in-law. He goes to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, this is my favorite part, 
and she prepared a meal for them. Come on. I'm all about the food. She prepared a meal for them. That is awesome. That's, I'm all about that. All right, so I just want to switch. I just want to switch. We're coming into winter, right? That's sort of the theme. Well, we're not coming into winter. We're like, we're, we're pretty solidly cold right now. Hey. Okay, so I want to talk to you. And look, I'm sorry, guys. I think I might be spilling some guys' secrets that aren't supposed to be spilled. So I, I guess I'll pay for it later. But tonight, I want to talk about the man flu. All right? Who here knows what the man flu is? All right, yeah, we've got a few who know what the man flu is. Well, there's basically the man flu is is allegedly, allegedly, where uh, men aren't really sick, but they get a bit of a cold and they play it up. They make it into something that it isn't. And basically that is what wives and girlfriends tell you is that you're soft and you're not actually that sick. But as men, we all know that we are in fact dying, right? So... There are two distinguishing features of man flu as compared to the normal flu. One of them is that we make it seem worse than it is. We know we've got like we've got like a little like our nose is like a little a drip comes out and we're like, Oh I'm gonna die! I'm dying! Okay, so that's the man flu. That's the first distinguishing feature of the man flu. The second distinguishing feature of the man flu is that we drag it out, right? We've been, we've been okay. We haven't been sick, like properly sick for like two weeks, right? And some of you are like, oh, Singe, I heard you were sick. What's up? And then all of a sudden we're all just like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm, oh, I'm all right, but I'm not quite 100%, right? That's what we're like. We're dragging it out. It's been two weeks since we've been stuck in bed, but we're, oh, no, I'm not quite 100%. Okay, so those are the two distinguishing features of man flu. And uh, I'm sorry I've had to spill our secrets, guys, but... um. I do think that sometimes we are treated unfairly. I think the problem is it's a little bit of the boy who cried wolf. Like sometimes we actually are sick and we get accused of having the man flu. So if I, a top tip for future wives and girlfriends, and I guess current wives and girlfriends too, always assume that your man has the actual flu because he will not be appreciating being treated like he has the man flu. Um, see you guys, I got your back. It's all good. All right. But now you see, normally we're used to this thing. Everybody's used that phrase after they've been sick. I'm not quite 100% right yet. Everyone's used that. Yeah, I'm not quite 100 I'm okay, but I'm not quite 100%. But did you notice that this mother-in-law, she didn't have any time where she wasn't quite 100%. It says here that Jesus took her by the hand, helped her sit up. Then the fever left her and she went and made a meal. So she didn't have, like, so she's been in a life-threatening situation. So let's take out fever, which doesn't seem that bad for us. And let's put in, I don't know, something worse. I should have thought of something to say first. But something really, really bad where you're about to die. So she's just been about to die. Just been about to die. You'd think that after the fever, she'd like, okay, the fever leaves. That's great. But you think she's tired, right? She's had the fever for a few days. She should be tired. She should want to rest, right? That would make sense. But no, she doesn't need to rest. You would think she'd still have like a few lingering effects, like still not quite be 100%, maybe be in recovery for a couple of days. She doesn't need to be in recovery. She gets up and makes a meal straight away. I mean, this story is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I think one of the things about man flu is that I think there's another sickness that goes around sometimes, and it's a little bit like man flu, and we treat it like man flu, and it's nothing to do with, with men. It's just man flu symptoms, but for everybody. So you have to, all the girls, you have to listen to. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so it's like the man flu, but it's for everybody, and it's also not the man flu, it's something else. It's what I call life flu, all right? 
And these are some of the symptoms of the life flu. Putting others down, jealousy, cheating, selfishness. The life flu, I thought I had one more, but I didn't, it's okay. You know, we go through life and uh, everything's not quite right. We're not quite, you know, the family members we want to be. We're not quite the friends we want to be. If you're a Christian, you might say that you're not quite the Christian that you want to be. If you don't know anything about this following God thing and that's all, you know, rubbish to you, that's cool too. But maybe you just go through life and you go, you know, this is not the sort of person I want to be. You know, you look at people doing the wrong thing, you go, I don't want to turn into that. Something's not quite right in my life. And that's the life flu. And you know, sometimes I think, you know, one of the cool things about meeting Jesus is that, you know, he forgives us and, you know, we get to start a fresh life. And I'm sure like heaps of you will have heard that message. And if you haven't heard the message, you just heard the message. But heaps of us have heard that message and responded to it. But I think sometimes, like with the man flu, we let it drag out. We drag it out longer than it's supposed to be. You see, Jesus says that we are forgiven, that our shame and our guilt should fall away in the moment where he forgives us. But do we let that happen or do we drag it out? Do we stay sitting in that moment going, no, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know that sin back there that Jesus is forgiving me about. I, I get that he's forgiven me, but I'm, I'm still being held down by that. And you know, Jesus wants to step in and do that. Jesus wants to step into everybody's life and take that thing away. He wants to heal you of that thing instantly like he healed the woman no falling behind no like being dragged down by it in the future he wants to heal you so you can move forward that's pretty awesome isn't it that deserves a cheer and you know what he wants to do that in everybody's life he wants to do that in your life if he's never done it in your life and for some of you you need to hear tonight that if he's done it in your life he's not too tired to do it again Jesus was teaching the synagogue all day and he still had the energy and the will to come back and heal the mother-in-law. He will step into your life and heal you again. And he wants to do it completely. Now you see, normally this would be like the culmination of the message. This would be like where we did like a big push and told everyone, all right, get excited. Jesus is going to heal you tonight. And you know, that is absolutely true. But I just want to push on a little bit deeper into this story. Because the end of the story isn't that Jesus heals the woman. If that was the end of the story, I wouldn't have told you the part about her making a meal because it wouldn't make any sense to have talked about that. And I did talk about it, so I need to continue talking about it. So here's the thing about this woman. She understands what it means to be healed by Jesus. She understands what the response to that is supposed to be. Don't you think it's interesting? Then in that moment, Jesus is all, I don't know, whatever you want to think. You know, he's like in Dragon Ball Z. He's all powered up. He's just finished healing her. Does anybody wonder if he's just, he's in that zone, right? He's just gone, yes, you are going to be well. She's been about to die. She gets up. Why doesn't he just click his fingers and make a meal for them to eat? Why does she have to get up and make the meal? And that's because that's the response to Jesus, right? Jesus came in. Jesus healed her. And her response is, I want to do something for you. I want to further your kingdom. And you know what? This isn't about the meal at all. It's, the meal's kind of irrelevant. Because here's the thing. Jesus didn't like make her well 
just so that she could make a meal. There was no, like, secret deal. He didn't lean down, grab her hand, and whisper into her ear, okay, we're really, really hungry, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to heal you, and then you just need to go make us a meal, and that's cool, and then you can be well after that. It's all cool. And she goes, yeah, that sounds great. And then he's like, okay, you're healed! Right? That's not what happened in the story. That's not what happened at all. And it's not like Jesus had his, like, crazy future mystic vision on. He's like, oh. I reckon if I heal this woman, she's going to make us a meal. I can see it in the future. That is, that's what it's all about. I'm going to heal this woman. Okay, he didn't do this for a sandwich, okay? That's ridiculous. He didn't want her to be pushed down or held back by a sickness. He didn't want her held back by where she was in life. He raised her up to minister. And by minister, I mean show other people how to respond to Jesus. You see, because in that moment, although it was in the form of making a meal, she showed the people in that room how to respond to to being healed. She could have said, this is amazing, and danced around and done nothing. But she responded and did something useful and did something they needed. Not because they couldn't do it themselves, but because she wanted to do it for them as a response to being healed. And, And not only did he raise her up to minister in that moment, but here we are, thousands of years later and she's ministering to us now i mean how incredible is that see this wasn't about pushing her down this isn't about reminding her of her sins or reminding her that he was she was sick he healed her completely and raised her up to go to another level and you know what i believe that jesus has the exact same plan for everybody in this life He doesn't want you held back. And it's nothing to do with him. It's not about the fact that he wants you to get up and serve him. And it's all a big trick. He's saying, hey, I'm going to forgive you, but then you need to get up and do stuff for me. He's saying, hey, I want to forgive you completely so that you are free to go to another level and do things that you never thought that you could do in your life. That is why Jesus wants to free you tonight. He doesn't want to leave you trying to be good enough, trying to pull yourself up. He wants to free you right now. And he doesn't want you to have to await. He's right there. He's saying, I will free you and I will raise you up. I will put you on a new platform to do new things in your life. I want you to have new influence on your friends. I want you to have new influence on your family. I want you to have new influence in your schools. That's what Jesus wants for your life. Live out of freedom. And you know what? There is still something to do. It is still a response you have to make. But you get to do it out of freedom. You get to do it as a response to Jesus, not because you have to earn your way to Him. So here's what I'm saying. Don't get bogged down by the life flu. You know, we're in winter. It's cold. You know, school started. This is the time when people will traditionally start to sort of fall away or be a bit too tired to come out to youth. But I just say, stuff that. Let's just go to another level this winter. Let's ask Jesus to heal us, free us. Let's see change in our schools, in our families, and in our friends groups. This winter, when it's all supposed to be dying off, stuff that. Let's have life instead. Yeah, that's right. That's good. All right. So we're going to pray for you guys in just a moment. There's no like, there's no like, I don't have any, you know, emotional moment planned. There's no interpretive dances coming out. There's no like pretty music in the background. All we're going to do is, all I'm asking you to do is, is make up your mind. Make a decision. 
do you want to be healed? And if you do, all you have to do is ask and Jesus will free you. And you know what? Throw off the shackles of the life flu and let him raise you up to another level. It is absolutely that simple. Use your freedom to minister. Don't walk away tonight, have a nice moment with Jesus and then, you know, go back to life tomorrow. But walk away, do something different in your family, do something different in your school because you're free to. All right, so everybody just close your eyes and if you want to pray along with me in your head, just go ahead and do that. God, you know that I'm feeling held down. Please heal me, set me free and raise me up. I want to do more for you. Help me to see new opportunities and to take them. Thank you that you're with me when I do that. Thank you that I can start fresh and free for the second half of the year. I want to do you proud. Amen. All right. So I've got two more things to say about this. The first one is if you did just make that decision privately, it is going to be a great idea for you to share that with one of the leaders. Like an absolutely killer idea. So what you need to do is if you have someone who coaches you, whenever we go out to O-Group's time, whenever you get a chance to see them tonight, you need to go up to them and go, dude, dude, I just made that decision. I don't want to be held back by life. I need you to help give me some guidance on this. See, we don't know necessarily what we're doing. We're not like amazing. We don't have life all sorted out. But we are like a little bit further down the track than you. So we can help you avoid some of the traps that we've fallen into and just help you to keep going with that. And uh, if you are new or if you don't have a, a leader or a coach, just go find a leader who you would like to be your coach. Or if you don't know anyone, you probably came with a friend, grab a friend, get them to take you to someone. Or if you don't know anybody at all, just look for someone who looks a little bit older than you and ask them. And I promise you will not regret meeting that leader and asking them to help you out. And lastly, lastly, I want to tell you about an incredible, incredible group that we have had like sort of we've been, we've been trialing and we've had it waiting in the wings and we just think that it is absolutely ready to go to another level in the second half of the year. And that is a group we call our discipleship group. And all that group is designed for, all it is, is exactly what we've talked about. It's helping you to learn and get better at ministering. And if you remember, that's just being able to show other people how to follow Jesus just like you do. So it meets on Friday, just before Friday Night Lives. It's an awesome group. Kiara's been running it and we're just ready to ramp it up. So if you are passionate, and even if you're not passionate, but you think it would be a good idea, then go to this group, all right? It'll give you skills. It'll give you techniques that will help you. But better than that, it'll put you in a group of people who are all thinking the same way. It'll put you with people from your school who are thinking the same way about your school. So you absolutely got to get involved in that.